James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says... Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead." All right, it's good to be together. How weird was the like all the stuff in the sky today? You all see that? Or was that just me? I'm pretty sure I didn't imagine that. Yeah, that, yeah sorry. Okay, good. <laughs> it's good to be here. Uh, it's good to be looking at James. Keep that passage open, and uh, let me pray as we look at it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us by your word. We pray that you will help us to understand it take it to heart and live it out in our lives. Lord, I pray for anyone who has been thinking this week about where they stand with you, whether they want to become a follower of Jesus, I pray that tonight you'd help them to really know what that involves and I pray you'd call people home to belong to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, has anyone here been into those fancy lounges at the airport? Okay, someone gave me and my wife tickets to one. And um, I, don't, I didn't know what was inside. I picture like um, really nice furniture and like free food, not just cheap food, but like the fancy stuff. And uh, I don't know, like a spa maybe or a sauna, um, maybe a gym. I don't know. And we'd been on this really long flight, so we were just gross, you know. And I was just like this little kid walking up. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Lady, get, lady at the front desk, she's like, uh, can I please see your ticket? I'm like, surely can, ma'am. And I'm looking through my bum bag because for some reason you have one of them when you travel. And I was like, ticket, 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 ticket. Don't worry, Monique, I'm a pretty smooth talker. All right. So I'm explaining why I don't have a ticket, but I did have a ticket. And apparently you actually do need a ticket to get in. <laughs> and so we had like one last look into the promised land and we did the walk of shame back to McDonald's. <laughs> and then we didn't get into the lounge, so I still don't know what's in there. But... Uh, wouldn't it suck if that happened to you, not just with some airport lounge, but with heaven? Last week, we looked at some things they're not telling you. One of the things was they're not telling you that they don't know what comes next. But we saw that Jesus does know because he's been there and he says there's two places, heaven and hell. 
And the part of the Bible that we're looking at tonight says that not everyone gets in. Have a look at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Can you feel the sarcasm? He's already answering that question in the way he asks it. Can such faith save them? What's the answer underlying the way he's saying that? No, it can't. There are people that think they're all good with God. They, they might even claim to have faith, but they're not saved. They're not going to heaven. There's actually a lot of confusion out there about the way to get to heaven. I uh, wonder what you would say. Is it A, B or C? Is it you get to heaven by being a good person? Or is it by trusting in Jesus and nothing else matters? Or is it C, trust in Jesus and be good enough? I wonder what you would say. Don't tell the person next to you, just have a think. Because you know what the Bible says? It says none of them. None of them is the right answer. If you were like, none of them seem right, that's probably good. Uh, But if you thought it was one of them, you've got to listen in. Tonight we're going to clear up that confusion and we're going to ask the question, what does it actually mean to be a Christian who, who really does get to go into heaven? And so if you're... Look, if you're not sure exactly where you stand with God... I would think you'd want to really listen in. Because you might not even realize. James 1.22 says you can even deceive yourself. It's possible to fool yourself. Now, let me just say this. Wherever you're at, it's probably better to come to terms with it, don't you think? Like, we, your leaders, we're not telling you to put a mask on and pretend to be something that you're not. It's, it's actually okay to say, here's where I'm at. And so this part of James is going to help us to take a really good look at ourselves and figure out where are we at. So if you think you're sweet, why not listen in and double check? And maybe you've spent this week thinking about whether you want to become a Christian, like I challenged you last week. Listen up. Find out what that's actually going to involve. And at the end, I'll invite you to do it, to become a Christian tonight. Now, before we get to James chapter 2, I'm actually going to give you the backdrop because there's something that James's readers knew before they got to this part of the letter. All right, here it is. We're saved by Jesus, not by what we do. Keep your finger in James, but flick in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, look on with someone next to you because it's good to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 5, and you might already know this, but it's good to, it's good to make sure you're catching the backdrop. And let's read verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Let's read it together. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, question, you tell me. How does this verse describe us as humans? Ungodly? Yep, so we're sinners who stand opposed to God. That's ungodly. What else does it say about us? Yes, without strength, or or some say powerless, it means the same thing. It means there's nothing that we can do about it, doesn't it? Some people, they think that there is something that we can do about it. A lot of people think if if you um, go to church and maybe you pray, or you might, in some places, you might go to a priest and confess, and then that might help you get in with God. Some people, it's um, if I'm just a nice person, if I'm just a good bloke, or, or if I'm just kind to people... God will accept me. Well, no, look at verse 6. We're powerless. The only way to to be accepted by God and be saved is 
Jesus. It says Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus' death completely saves us. He takes our place on the cross and he gets punished for our crime. And so I'll give you an an analogy for it. Imagine we were stranded, stranded in the middle of the ocean, like literally in the very middle of the ocean, as far away from land as you could be. The problem is you've got yourself into a pretty bad situation there if you're just floating in the water. I don't know how you got there, but somehow you've fallen out of a plane or something, and you, you're just sitting there. You're in a situation where it's way beyond what you've got the power to fix. You know, I don't care if you're Ian Thorpe or the next best swimmer in the world or whatever, or if you're me or someone who never learned to swim. No matter how good you are at swimming, you can't get out of that situation. The only hope you've got is if someone came in to rescue you. Some people think you can be good enough for God. And and yeah, some people are better than other people, but we're all not making it to our destination. We need Jesus to come in. Jesus is like the boat that, that motors out to us or the helicopter comes and he saves us. The only way is Jesus. And so check out Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 on the screen. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast. I love this verse. I hope you got it underlined or highlighted in your Bible. If not, do it when you get home. Saved. It's talking about being saved. Saved from hell, going to heaven instead. And do you see how it says you don't get saved? These verses say that it's not from yourselves. Not by works. You, you can't swim your way. Doing good things won't save you. So what does save you? Verse 8 says that it's a gift... That God gives you. Uh, that's what the word grace means. For it's by grace you've been saved. Um, I'll give someone some grace right now. Is anyone a little bit hungry for a Mars bar? All right. I think I can throw that far. You ready for this? Oh, too far. You pass it to a. Yeah. To, uh, is it Sean there? It's hard to see. There you go. There you go. Well done. You got your grace, okay? Did he do anything to earn it? No. It's, he's just got it for free a gift. If I give it to these guys, it would be like because they deserved it because they sat in the front row, all right? No, 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 grace, you don't deserve it. Grace is epic. Is, is going to heaven really like that? Does God just give it for free? Look what the verse says. Like, I want you to see this in the Bible for yourself. It's the gift of God. Couldn't be freer. So how do you get the gift? The verse says, through faith. We can't swim our own way. Jesus comes to get us. How do you get in the boat? Faith. Now, people got funny views on faith. Let me give you four wrong ways that people think about faith. Number one, you might have heard these. Faith is positive thinking. All right, you're playing a game of footy, your team's down. Did I say it right? Faith is positive thinking. Some people think this. So you're playing a game of footy, your team's down by 10. The boys get together like, all right, guys, we can do this. We've just got to have faith. We've just got to be positive. We've got to hope for the best. That kind of faith... That's got nothing to do with Jesus. A Christian is not just someone that has positive thinking, not just someone that's like, I hope maybe Jesus will save me. That's not, that's not what this means by faith. Number two, wrong view of faith. Faith is like blind belief. Have you heard of this one? You know, we don't know for sure if God's real. I guess we just got to have faith. And Christians, we just got to kind of put our, our brains in a box and not use them and make room for faith. That's rubbish, all right? We don't believe that here. That's... Um, that's not the faith that Jesus asked of us. In fact, he gave the disciples evidence that he really was who he said he was. 
If you want to know about that, come to Jesus Uncut. But a Christian is not someone who, that's the second one, who just believes blindly. Third wrong view of faith. Maybe some of us have this view. Faith is just believing the right thing. Many of us might think, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. So that's faith. Not quite. Faith is not just thinking the right thing. That's actually what we're going to see in James. A Christian is not just someone who got, got the answer right. And here's the, the last wrong view of faith. Sometimes people think faith means having 100% faith. You know, some people are like, oh, I wish I had more faith. How, how much faith do I actually need to get into heaven? Well, you know, Jesus never says an amount. He doesn't say you need to have perfect faith. He says just faith have faith and so let me give you an illustration analogy of what this kind of faith is okay imagine two people at an airport all right number one person is terrified of planes right they sit there with like their head between their legs they can't even look at the planes they're just shaking they're white they're sweating right and the other person person number two they love it they're looking at the window, watching all the planes come in. You know, when the door opens, they're the first one on. They run on, they sit on the seat, they click on the seatbelts, they get their pretzels, and they're ready to go. All right? Who makes it? Oh, sorry, the first person walks down the, the, the like, you know, little runway under the plane or whatever it's called. The, we can do this. Gets onto the plane. All right? Who gets to the destination? They both do. Who gets there first? Depends on where they're sitting, but essentially both of them, right? What matters in that situation is not how much faith they had. What matters is that they got on. And what matters is that the plane actually got them there, right? That the plane was reliable. They put their, con- they put their trust in the plane, their faith in the plane, and the plane got them there. That's what it's like to be a Christian. What matters isn't how much faith you have, but that you put that faith in Jesus, that you rely on Him. So that's what faith means. It's relying, it's trusting in something. So in that case, trusting in a plane for a Christian, faith is trusting in Jesus to save you. So it's not belief, it's not blind belief. You rely on Jesus to get you there. And that is the backdrop to James chapter 2. That's what you need to have clear in your head. We're saved by Jesus. We trust Him, not ourselves. And so if you're wondering what what is a Christian, there's the first piece to get in place. Are you someone who is trusting Jesus to save you? Have you got on the plane? You've stopped trying to be good enough for God. That that means if you were doing that, you'd be trusting in yourself. And you've gone, no. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Tonight at the end of the talk, I'm going to invite you to get into Jesus' boat by faith. But I wonder if you can guess what some people's reaction is when they hear that. You know, They hear, you don't do anything to save yourself. It's all by trusting Jesus. What's the first reaction that some people have? Sometimes they go, huh, does that mean I can like, do whatever I want? If you, like, just for example, imagine if somehow you found out, a genie told you this or something, that no matter what happened, you could not die. In fact, you couldn't even feel pain. What would you do? Like, would you just like run under buses and see what happened and scare the kids on the school bus? Or like, if we're saved by what Jesus did for us, then 
and it's not based on what we do, we don't earn our way in, then surely we can just do whatever we want. Well, that's what James chapter 2 is written to answer for us. And it's written to answer that question with a big fat no. James says that whoever lives like that hasn't really put their faith in Jesus. That's the second big thing to see tonight. If it doesn't change your actions, it's not real faith. So let's read verse 14 again. James chapter 2 verse 14. What good is it, he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? So what's the answer? If someone says they have faith in Jesus but then they it doesn't change their actions, they just go and do whatever they want to do. Are they saved? No. Look at verse 17, answers the question. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And this is how you see what a real Christian is. There are people who say they have faith, but it's not real faith, it's dead faith. And dead faith does nothing. It, it achieves nothing. It's a bit like this fish I've got here in this bag. All right. Is that fish alive or dead? How do you know? It's not alive. It's dead. That's correct. How do you know? It's not moving. That's the key is that it's not moving. If it was moving, it would be alive. It's not moving. It's dead. All right. Like if there was a crisis and we needed a fish to protect us, no use. All right. So. Here's here's James' big point. Real faith, if it's alive, it's moving. If you've got faith in Jesus, it will change you. Your actions will start to show that you are no longer living for yourself. You're no longer living the way that you want to live. Now, you're living for Jesus. You're living the way He wants you to. Now, hang on a second, James. I thought it was all about belief. Look at verse 19. Really powerful verse, verse 19. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Just because you believe what God says in the Bible, that doesn't make you a Christian. Even the demons believe what you believe and they shudder because they fear God. You may not even do that. You might be one step down from demons. You know, they believe the same as you, but they, have, they know that God is serious and you treat him lightly. No, 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 just believing true things about God, that's useless. If it's not real faith, if it's not backed up by your actions. This actually comes down to who Jesus really is, right? Who's Jesus? He's the Savior and He's the Lord, the King, the Ruler, all right? So you can't pick and choose. You can't go, all right, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I'm not so sure about the Lord bit. No, 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 you either trust Jesus as your saviour and your Lord, because that's who he is, or you don't trust him at all. You can claim whatever you like. You can pretend to be a Christian till you're blue in the face, but it's not what you really are if it's not showing in your actions. Now, believe it or not, because of these things that we've just been talking about, some people throughout history have wanted to chuck James out of the Bible. Why? Who does it sound like James is contradicting? It sounds like a contradiction with Paul and what he says in his letters. Remember we saw that verse from Ephesians. Paul says that we're saved by faith, not by good works. Well, James says faith is useless. 
I used to, youth, I used to have a speech thing. Um, ja- <laughs> Sidetrack, okay. Um, no, no, no. So, so Paul, he's saying, it's faith, it's faith, it's faith, not works. James is like, it's faith is useless unless you have works. It sounds like a contradiction. What's the go, James? Like, what are you, what's, what's going on there? Now, Paul and James, they're both in the Bible. They're both speaking God's words. And so they're not battling each other. A lot of times people will find these supposed contradictions in the Bible. I don't know if you've come across them. And they're like, aha, it's not God's word. I knew it because it's contradicting itself. Whenever that happens, what's going on is you've just given it one quick look. You haven't really wrestled it through. You haven't looked closely. And always the answer is look closely, look in context, uh, read both of them in context. And when you do that, you, it always turns out that it's all good. Be my experience. So for example, let me just show you that verse I showed you for, before from Ephesians. It'll come up on the screen. And we read up to this bit. These are really big and tall. But we read up to that bit, okay? <laughs> but I've put the, the next verse on there this time. So we've already seen that first bit. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works. But look at the next bit. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul says works don't save us, but we are still supposed to do them as Christians. Faith is what saves us because Jesus is the one who saves us, but faith should lead to us doing the right thing. That's exactly what James is saying, isn't it? Look at verse 17 in James. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So the whole passage is about faith. James knows that faith is what saves you. But he's pointing out that faith should always lead to you doing the right thing. Otherwise, it's dead. They're just saying the same thing in different ways. And the reason they're doing that is because people were getting it wrong in different ways. Some people thought that you had to be good enough for God. And Paul says, no, it's, it's not what you do, it's faith. But other people, their problem was they thought that it didn't matter what you do. And so James takes them to task and says, no, 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 real faith changes what you do. I wonder if that's the warning that you actually need to hear tonight. If you don't have the actions to back up your claim to faith, verse 17 says your faith is dead. And when James says dead, he means dead. He means it achieves nothing. It, it won't save you. All right, so... We're asking this question, what is a Christian? And so we've seen two things. Number one, they trust Jesus to save them. And there's our second part. Number two, they live for Jesus in their actions. Let's apply this to us, right? If you live a double life, Christian might be the title you go by, but you live like you're not. I'm sorry to be the one to break this to you. You don't have real faith. What makes you think that you'll go to heaven? Is it because you believe the right thing? Because you say the right thing? Is it because you go to the right school, have the right family? If Jesus hasn't changed how you live, you've actually missed something. I wonder if a lot of us, um, you do the youth thing, but you haven't actually changed the way you talk. Swearing, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian necessarily. But why hasn't Jesus changed that for you? Is that a sign that you've missed something? Maybe a lot of us uh, go by the name Christian, but Jesus hasn't actually changed the way that you treat your family. Being mean to your brothers or sisters, 
doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But why hasn't Jesus changed that for you? Could that be a sign that something's missing? I'm a Christian, you might say, but I still smoke weed. Maybe that's someone here, I don't know. Does that mean you're necessarily not a Christian? Not necessarily. But you know it's not right. Why hasn't Jesus changed that for you? Now, if, if this is making you uneasy, maybe you need the wake-up call that James is bringing. Real Christians, though, they, they will have blind spots. Being a Christian is like playing whack-a-mole. Have you ever played whack-a-mole? A little thing comes up from the hole, you whack it, another one pops up. So this is like being a Christian, right? One thing pops up, you notice a sin in your life, and you, you, you whack it, you try to change the way you live, and then something else shows itself. And you try to live for Jesus there. And that'll just keep happening. What if you're not whacking any moles? <laughs> it probably means you're not playing the game, doesn't it? It probably means you're not a Christian. You see, the difference between a Christian and not, someone who's not a Christian, it's not whether there's anything popping up. It's not whether there's any sins, because we all sin. The difference is the Christian is trying to whack them. Their faith is leading them to action. The person who just lets them pop up, that doesn't try to whack them, their faith is not leading them to action. So are they really a Christian? Man, I'd be very worried. So is tonight the night that you decide you're going to start to try to live for Jesus for real? If you're a Christian, who, who, let me just say, if you're a Christian and you are trying to live out your faith and you know it's hard, you know you're not nailing it, This passage isn't aimed at you. You need to just keep turning to Jesus, keep seeking forgiveness and keep working out your faith in your life. Just because you're not nailing it, that doesn't mean your faith is dead. And let me say something to you if you know you're not a Christian. Of course Jesus hasn't changed your life because you never pretended he would. Can I ask, what's stopping you actually becoming a Christian? What's stopping you? Like if there's a God and... I'm convinced that there is. On what grounds will you cope when you meet him? Don't let yourself go to hell. Why don't you put your trust in Jesus? Why don't you start to live your life his way? Maybe you want to do that tonight. In a couple of minutes, I'll invite you to take that step. But first of all, let's just talk a bit more about what it's like to live that way. That's dead faith. What's what's it like to live with a live faith? Living faith that shows itself in actions, a bit like this fish. All right. Is this a living fish? Not for long. (laughs) What are some signs that it's a living fish? It's moving. All right. It's flapping about. Now, moving is not what makes it a living fish. It already is, but that's a sign that it's alive. Just like we've got signs, we've got pulse and and breathing and movement. Now, if you'd like this fish, come talk to me after the talk, all right? Because I don't want it. About to go on a holiday and I don't want to take it with me. It wouldn't make it. The guy said it only lasts a few hours in that bag and it's been a few, so... (laughs) So we'll just watch. (laughs) All right, so, so real faith... Here's the key. Real faith, keyword, shows itself. Real faith shows itself in your actions. They're the evidence. Look at verse 18. Someone will say, you've got faith, I've got deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. You can't do it. 
I will show you my faith by my deeds. James's point, oh yeah, you say you got trust in Jesus, prove it. Doesn't look like it to me. If you really had faith, I should see some difference in you. And then James gives an example. He gives Abraham, verse 21. Abraham in the Old Testament was a really big, important dude. And verse 21, it's crazy what it says. Wasn't our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? What? Righteous for what he did? Haven't we just been saying that it's not what you do, it's faith? Well, you've got to look more closely. Verse 23, it says that Scripture was fulfilled when it says that Abraham believed God and that was credited to him as righteousness. It means right with God. So what made, him faith, what made him righteous? It was that he trusted God, belief, faith in God. But Abraham showed that his faith in God was real by obeying God. If you know the story, Genesis chapter 22, God told him to kill his own son. Abraham's like... I'm all right, like, I guess you, you know what you're doing, God. And so he goes through, he goes up the mountain and he makes ready to kill his son. He's about to do it. Spoiler alert, God says, don't do it. And gives him um, a, a, a ram to sacrifice instead because God's against child sacrifice, right? But the point was, God was, was checking to see, does Abraham really trust me? Is he really going to obey me? And Abraham did. He obeyed God. And the way that he obeyed God showed that he really did trust God. And so verse 21 says that Abraham was considered righteous for what he did. Keyword, considered. His faith was what brought him to God. His faith was what made him righteous. But the way we know about his faith, the way we consider him righteous, is because we saw it in his actions. So it's the evidence that he really did have faith. Pretty amazing example, isn't it, of someone willing to obey God no matter what the cost. And that's what we're to be like. Our faith is to show itself by when God says to do something, we do what it says. One other thing God says right here in this passage is that we should show our faith by being good, doing good to people. All right, Look at verse 15 and we'll finish with this one. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Right? So someone's at school, you're eating your lunch, you're like, where's your lunch? And I forgot it. And you're like, okay, I'll pray for you. And you just keep eating your lunch. No, no, no. Share your lunch with them. Right? If someone's at school without clothes on, okay, that's probably concerning. <laughs> they got real problems there. But I don't know, maybe someone's Forgot their jumper. Share your jumper, right? God wants us to be people who do good, who help people out. One time I was on, he's still going all right. Uh, one time I was on school camp, and um, there was it was raining, and we had to set up our tents in the rain. And um, one of the guys in my year, there weren't many Christians in my year. One of the guys, he was out there in the rain helping everyone else set up their tents. I was in under the little cover, just watching, right? He got it, didn't he? He got that to be a Christian is to be a person who helps people out. I know um, two people who, when they were in youth group, they didn't have heaps of money, but they wanted to do good. And together, they had enough money to sponsor a child. It's now probably five, six, seven years later, and they're still sponsoring that child um, through compassion and, and helping them out of poverty. Maybe you know someone who's, whose mom is sick or they're sick. Maybe you cook them a meal to help them out. Maybe you see someone getting bullied at school. This one takes guts, but 
Maybe you stick up for them. Guys, what are you doing? You shouldn't talk to people like that. That's terrible. Maybe you know someone who's lonely. Maybe you invite them over to hang out with you. You put on an NBA game or you play Call of Duty Modern Warfare with them. Or I, don't know. I haven't played a game since I was in year 10. But yeah, well, I've had fun, but just not on Xbox or whatever. There you go. <laughs> it's just not the way I... Anyway, let's wrap up. Remember this, doing good is not what saves you, all right? It's not the way you get to heaven, but if you are a real Christian, you'll live this way. I'll show you one way that my youth group leader taught me to remember it. Good works don't lead to salvation, but salvation always leads to good works. We live in a, in a, in a country, in a world, with people who are in poverty, people who are sick, people who are lonely, and God wants us to be people who help, who do good. And it's actually kind of fun, isn't it? When you do good, it's hard work. You have to put your selfishness to one side, but it feels good. And like we saw last week, God's way to live is actually a really good way to live. All right, let me ask you, do you want to become a Christian? Are you, let me go back a step. Are you a real Christian? Does your faith have a pulse? Because we've seen tonight what a real Christian is. Number one, it's someone who trusts Jesus to save them. And number two, it's someone who lives for Jesus in your actions. So if that's what a real Christian is, are you one? Is this the wake-up call that you needed? Maybe the point is actually more, do you want to be a Christian? And so just think for a second, not about the person next to you, think about yourself. Do you want to put your trust in Jesus to save you and do you want to turn to live for him in your actions? If you do, um, there's a prayer that will come up on the screen that you can use to say this to God. Uh, It says, sorry for living my own way bit hard to read, but sorry for living my own way. Thanks for dying to save me. Please forgive me and help me live for you. That's not magic words. It's just a way of saying to God, I want to trust you. I want to start to live for you. And I guess because becoming a Christian is starting a relationship with God, it makes a lot of sense that you'd start it by talking to God. And so um, four types of people here, some of you, you are Christians, you're living it, Be encouraged. Keep doing it. Keep whacking those sins and doing good. Secondly, some of you, maybe you came in here thinking you're a Christian and in this you've realized that you're not. That's a good thing to work out. But maybe tonight you actually want to make it real. You want to pray this prayer. Do that in a second with me. Some of you, thirdly, you're a Christian but you have been wandering And tonight you've realized, I actually need to get back on the horse. I actually need to decide again, yep, I'm in. I'm doing this. Maybe you want to pray this prayer as well. And some of you, maybe you want to become a Christian for the first time. You've been thinking about it for a while, maybe through this week, and you've decided, yeah, this is actually the time. I want to get this sorted. I want to get in with God. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to go to heaven. I want to put my trust in Jesus. And I'm ready to start living for Him. Pray this prayer. Why don't we all shut our eyes and we'll pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it slowly and I'll pause. And if you want to, you can repeat that in your own heart to God. He'll He'll hear it in your own heart. Dear God, sorry for living my own way. Thanks for dying to save me. Please forgive me. 
and help me to live for you from now on. Amen.